We're joined uh, this week by a special guest. It's another one of our indie dev series. Um, we're joined by Quinton Zavas. So, welcome, Quinton. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And I think we should also just mention before, just that this this is recorded before Apple's September event. So, if we talk about something and it seems like we don't know what we're talking about, that's that's why. <laughs> and, and the general rule of not knowing what we're talking about <laughs> still applies. Yes. Um, I think that's the first time we actually have two two people f- recording from the from Australia at the same time. So, that's fun, too. And actually, the first... From the, from the good hemisphere. And the first time we're two people in the same country, if we exclude Molly and me. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a good point. A yeah. whole bunch of random facts to get started. Oh, not strictly not true because we have recorded in person. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, for for a guest episode, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Should we get started with our rapid round? Quentin, so we've got some uh, we got some quick warm up questions to get into. Um, are you a tea or a coffee person? Oh, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, so finally, that you you would think people would <laughs> react that way more frequently, but so far people sent milk and other other strange uh, beverages of choice. Coffee, good choice. Mm. Nah, One point, easy. And what what kind of coffee are we talking? Since you know you're a fellow Australian, ah, uh, so I go with the great Australian brand of Nespresso. <laughs> right, right. That's simple. I, I <laughs> okay, do like. No, no, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not as happy. <laughs> yeah, about and that so point well. is uh, gone again. I like the stovetop. Uh, I don't know. They, what are they called? Like the Mocker Express, the mm, Italian mm-hmm. stovetop co- co- cooker. Right. Um, mm, nice. So that's if I've got time. If I can wait like five minutes instead of thirty seconds, then I'll I'll use that <laughs> instead. But you know the clean up time and all of that stuff. I'm very lazy. Um, all right. Uh, pineapple on pizza. Does it belong? No. no sorry. <laughs> Thank you. First of all, a new addition to the rapid round. Uh, <laughs> I like I like this direction already. And such an. <laughs> Who would say yes to that? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, crazy people. I went into a, a long debate last weekend, which was what prompted me to <laughs> add this question in this week. <laughs> no. Did you know, fun fact, I learned that the other week, in Sweden it is somewhat common, at least most Swedes have had a pizza with banana and ham? Uh, I had it with ham, yeah. Apparently you can have banana and curry as well. Banana and curry? Yeah. What was an odd combo? <laughs> I know they do dessert pizzas yeah, yeah, with, that's, like, Nutella and yeah, banana yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That it's crazy, right? Who would have a banana ham pizza or banana curry? I don't know which one is crazier. And that's why you live in Canada. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. What are you reading, watching, or playing right now? Uh, I'm not really reading anything. I'm reading Twitter and getting angry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, that's reading. What was it? Watching. What am I watching? Oh, Cobra Kai has been mm-hmm. pretty entertaining, actually bit of nostalgia nice it's so bad it's good um and Ooh. what am i what was it what am i playing i'm trying to play formula one on the xbox i'm yeah. trying to learn the circuits before nice. the formula one races except the whole schedule's been completely upended this year so the tracks that they're racing aren't even in the game so oh really yeah. they race on different tracks this year just last minute kind of thing like this weekend's race is never, they've never raced on before do you know why uh, because they don't want to travel outside of europe pretty much mm. oh so they're all mm, yeah that makes sense so what do you say you're watching oh cobra kai it's the, like a tv series of the original karate kid i highly recommend it oh okay pretty good <laughs> all right never heard of it uh, i think it just hit netflix it's a couple years old but it just hit netflix so all right check it out cool um are you a desktop or a laptop person <laughs> judging from the picture you saw the other day it seems like you <laughs> yeah, everything a bit of everything there's a lot of it's it's a bit of a nuisance because you know there's just constant git check-ins and check-outs and keeping everything up to up to date and remember which one you've you're up to date on and so yeah I'm all over the place at the moment 
I was, thinking, I was saying, I was just okay, saying just so before that- we record, I'm on, I think, five, five different apps <laughs> at the moment. So, it's a bit of a nightmare. Now, when you're mentioning it, this is something I think we have had discussions about before. Oh, yeah. uh, have you ever considered putting your Git repos or putting your projects in some type of cloud sharing uh, folder? Dropbox. Or like Dropbox I've or considered iCloud. It, I've tried it and I've broken things. It's not. I, I, don't, I haven't tried Dropbox, but with the iCloud drive sharing, it does not play nice with that. Yeah, if, and some of the Git repos mm-hmm. are pretty pretty big at this point. Like, um, you know, like half half a gig or more. Like, it just mm. and there's a lot of them. So the, mm. the way I would typically do that, I just have a a local folder that I check everything out. There are projects that I will put on into iCloud Drive and sync those. So like, usually they're just test projects, and when I'm ready to go, I'll. Mm. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put them into the the non-synced. But I, I've massively lifted my um my Git game this year, so I know I know everything now. It's great. I can <laughs> I can merge, and I learned what no fast forwards mean, and all sorts of stuff. So it's great. <laughs> do Do you have a build server, or do you use those Macs kind of uh, all? Well- yeah, so I I'm running Xcode server on one of them. It's currently okay. not doing anything, but I did have it all set up at running, and that would. Basically, just run all the um, unit tests and just make sure it's it's building. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been an interesting experiment, just trying to make sure it works with um, like Swift mm-hmm. Package Manager and authentication mm-hmm. and you know TLS certificates and all of that stuff. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's a it's a bit of screwing around, but it's it's definitely been worth it. But because I'm on all these, I guess iOS 14 development branches and stuff, the the CI isn't really actively mm-hmm. running at the mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Have you considered uh, outsourcing that to something like a BuddyBuild or BitRise or any of those kind of hosted CI services? Well, so what I did is earlier this year, I um, I wasn't really running anything. And I thought, now's a good opportunity leading up to DubDub. I don't know why I would do it at the last minute with everything changing. But I thought, <laughs> now's a good time just to get all the projects, just clean them all up. And regardless of which service I ultimately use, whether it's BuddyBuild or whatever, um, there's still going to be the same like organization steps on my end. So get all those done and then figure out all the rest later. So where it's at at the moment is everything's building cleanly, no errors or warnings, um, mm. you know, no no compile issues, nothing no, nothing being flagged when it gets uploaded to App Store Connect. So everything's really nice and tidy and clean and all Swift package managed. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've basically spent the last six months just tidying everything up, <laughs> at, like in conjunction with doing just regular development work. So mm. I think sort of once this release cycle, once, um, you know, Xcode, whatever number 12 um whatever up to is <laughs> gold master and everything's stable um then yeah i can sort of move to the next progression of that but that's been a pretty worthwhile experience just cleaning everything up and the other thing i did is i abstracted a ton of code across all my projects just into separate swift packages and oh, yeah. that's just forced i had a lot of packages that were very similar um very similar functionality but just slight just slight forks um mm-hmm. over time and this has just been a good opportunity to bring it all back together into a single project with like slightly more configuration and better um, unit testing. And um, yes, yeah, so it's definitely been worthwhile. It's probably about six or seven packages that I've done and probably pulled out thousands of lines of code that were otherwise being duplicated. Yeah. Man, you sound like a proper developer. <laughs> Doing all the right things. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. uh, not many indies are in that boat, so it's a, it's a good place to be. Um, which Apple product or framework uh, have you been most excited about that was announced at, at WWDC? Oh, I can't even remember them all. Can you prompt me with a couple so I can... <laughs> I know you've been doing a lot with widgets. Uh, we've been yeah, going back and yeah, forth yeah, a bit widgets. about the SwiftUI stuff. Yeah, there's been widgets and it's kind of forced my hand on SwiftUI. Um, I'm not sort of all in on mm. that yet, but I'm 
all in enough <laughs> to get um <laughs> to get widget. is that by choice or just because you don't see a reason to like is it that you don't want to go swift ui and try to avoid it as long as you can or is it more that you're like eh, i'm uh, happy with i mean I'm th- there's definitely things i can't do that i would need to be able to do to go all in on it but so my mm-hmm. my um i guess whatever number of years game plan with it, like my, my multi-year game plan now, now the sort of, I guess, widget kit has forced my hand. Well, like, you know, build the components that I need and I've done them obviously in a reusable way that I can mm-hmm. use them on the other platforms. And then I think from there, there's, this year there's support in ClockKit for SwiftUI complication templates just on a couple of the graphical ones. So the next phase will be um, moving some of those complications over to those same SwiftUI views that I've built for the widgets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I think from there we'll be migrating the watch apps to probably support both WatchKit and SwiftUI. And then the iOS app would likely come last just because there's just so much mm-hmm. extra stuff in there and it's probably not all supported in SwiftUI. And I think like I, Zach mentioned that we've gone back and forth on widgets. One of the things I was running into was just, just something simple like building up um, attributed strings, attributed strings, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. I've never said it out loud. So there you go. Um, <laughs> building up those in SwiftUI is not as straightforward. Like the, the thing I was trying to do was mm-hmm. put put two strings next to each other and centered. And I can't really explain it in words easily, but basically you couldn't, it was impossible to get it to align properly without some really bizarre hacks. And what I've ultimately come up with is pretty nasty and no one will ever see it except for I think I <laughs> screenshotted some of it to Zach once. But, I don't tell, it's okay. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, so one thing, but, but one thing you, they added in recent, um, I don't even know what version it was, but that you can add a text attachment into an, um, NS attributed string and mm-hmm. that b- basically means you can put an image in line with your text you could have mm-hmm. a bit of text then an image mm-hmm. then a bit of text all in the same string and if it went mm-hmm. over two lines you could wrap it and center it and all of that stuff and that's just not possible mm-hmm. as it is at the moment so uh, I guess that's that's sort of been the frustrating part with Swift UIs like it, it it's taken a long period of time but a lot of the UI kit and all that stuff's really mature now and you can do a lot of stuff with it and Swift UI sort of goes back into sort of slightly less mature days with it. So <laughs> there's going to be a, w- a waiting period to get to back to where all that stuff's at. It's also, I, I feel like UI kit, even if you feel like you hit a roadblock, there's probably a way around it. Swift UI, sometimes you hit a roadblock and that's literally a roadblock. You now have to switch frameworks to continue. Yeah, well, I mean, you can resort to like using UI kit to, yeah, to yeah, build yeah, you I mean. and take a snapshot and put that in your shared mm. container and then display yeah. it in your widget. I think I was loosely <laughs> discussing something like that with Zach with showing maps. Um, uh-huh. Maps is a bit mm, more straightforward because yeah. there are frameworks to do that. But um, mm. just that example I gave then of trying to lay out text, if I actually wanted to do it pixel perfect and 100% reliable the same as the app is, that's that would be the only way to do it because you can't uh, you, you can yeah. embed UI kit views in um, SwiftUI, but you can't do it in widgets. Widgets don't allow that. Yeah. So um yeah you know there's a few workarounds at the moment so for for what it can do like yeah it, it it i think the the path that i just sort of laid out going through the complications and the watch app and the phone i think that's ultimately going to make the most sense for my apps at least mm. cool. but in terms of excitement of the what zach asked probably like yeah we just probably have to be the most interesting <laughs> part of that. i'm sure there are others i mean there's so many other little ones that sort of go under the radar and it's really hard to keep like on top of all of them like one example is uh you can't uh, i pushed and pushed for this and eventually whether it was my doing or just got done um you couldn't stream apple music through the through tvos like all the apis on so in my workouts app you can it will automatically play workout music and it pulls mm-hmm. that from apple mm-hmm. music but you can't do that on tv the api with a media player mm-hmm. whichever framework it was just wasn't available on tvos and for not as far as i could see any technical reason because it's 
tvOS is basically just a slight fork mm-hmm. of iOS, and now it's available. So, and mm-hmm. that allows me to bring a, a core bit of functionality across the TV. So just things like that. Mm-hmm. Like I think every app's got its own little quirks and like feature sets. So mm-hmm. th- that's one that I was personally excited about, even if probably not a whole lot of people necessarily use it. I don't know yet. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I think for us, the SwiftUI updates just overshadowed almost everything else yeah. because we built our entire macOS app in swift ui mm. from last year yeah <laughs> and then just seeing the announcement it was just one hack after another that we we knew we could now get rid of and it was just i wouldn't it, say hack i would say workaround <laughs> i'd say hack but did you have to <laughs> actually like what did you have build errors and things you had to actually rewrite because of the changes this year like when swift was evolving every version you'd have to just rewrite half your code like, mm. I yeah. think for us, it's actually a bit weirder because a lot of the changes, like, for example, we have a, like a simple example, uh, on macOS, you have a list, like a table view, mm. you want to double click it and it brings it up in a new window, right? Fairly normal macOS interaction with something that's laid out in a table. On, um, in SwiftUI, you couldn't do that. So we, we kind of said globally for every table view, a double action so we set a custom selector that we would then observe from our swift ui views so we would kind of override the i don't remember what it is uh, that the table view moves to the window set it set that selector for a double action and then observe that from a swift ui view and then kind of do our action by looking which cell is selected and then try then assume that that's the one that was double clicked um but that's was very much a, a workaround yeah. around what you would expect to be mm-hmm. a on on top on tap count too, right? That's what you would think the API would look like on SwiftUI, but it didn't. Um, but then Apple actually implemented in, like in this year's APIs, they implemented essentially the same workaround just as a natively supported feature. Uh, so now our selector setting conflicts with Apple's selector setting. <laughs> so it's it's not so much that um, that the API is now available and we can make check for that. It's more that if we would apply that, it would break it on one or the other operating system. And because there's no nice hook in point where we're actually like overriding like the when the view uh, comes into the window and we're doing a whole bunch of other similar things, there's sometimes weird conflicts where we're like, all right, how do we even how do we even avoid an extension to be called at all on a certain operating system or a certain version number? Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of those kind of things that are that for us cause a lot of headache because they're not documented changes. They're more implementation changes that have changed that we now have to run into that to then undo some of our workarounds or sometimes even apply different types of workarounds. Yeah. Um, because I'm running into a similar kind of thing with um, Catalyst. So with Streaks, I've got a um, a Catalyst version of it, or well, a Mac app, app version I've built with Catalyst. It's got a mm-hmm. number of customizations mm-hmm. for the platform and trying to add some more of those in as time goes on. But mm-hmm. they've now mm-hmm. changed how Catalyst works in 10.16 or 11 or whatever they call it. In Xcode, it's called mm-hmm. 10.16, but in Big Sur. Um, <laughs> and I don't know how to actually take advantage of those. I actually don't think I can take advantage of a number mm-hmm. of things without actually removing support for Catalina, which I don't want to do at this point because mm-hmm. a lot yeah, of people won't yeah. upgrade right away so yeah, it leaves yeah. me a little bit stuck like one example is app icons show at half res like they if you install a catalyst app and look at the um what's it called when you launch the app like can't spotlight no springboard no whatever the you know the app launcher in in mac yeah, yeah. i can't think of the name um it Launchpad? Launch the pad? dog? No, what is it? Uh, Launchpad. Yeah, when you yeah. pinch all your fingers oh, together yeah, yeah. and everything shows. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget that Launchpad exists. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. shows the icon slightly pixelated, but then if you look in Xcode really? in the asset catalog, the largest size you can actually provide is uh, 512 pixels. So there is a, there's a 512 
two times version, but that's only for the app store. So it actually is not using, whereas other apps can use a higher res version. So yeah. and there's mm. no way that I could possibly figure out to change that. <laughs> I guess you could maybe hack the icons file mm. after the whole thing's built, but... That's, that's strange. Yeah. So, and I, and I think that's fixed in now. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong on this, by the way. I'm often wrong with this kind of stuff, but um, <laughs> I think that's fixed now, but I can't support it because yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. a drop support for Catalina. So, that's a bit disappointing. So, it's still trying to work some of that stuff out. And obviously, mm-hmm. the, other, yeah. the other big change is how the pixels are rendered in. Um, if mm-hmm. There's two ways to build a Catalyst app. There's actually a checkbox. Originally, it was just, you know, enable this checkbox, but now there's enable this checkbox and then this, pick this item from a drop down box. And that completely changes how the app renders in terms of the pixel matching and layout and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, still trying to figure out the best way to go. So, for now, I'm just <laughs> going to support the way how it was and then try and figure out mm. some other improvements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Busy, busy <laughs> next couple of months, I think. No, busy uh, last couple of months. I actually getting... feel like I'm on the home stretch <laughs> with it now, finally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just started with our iOS app. So, we're, we're very much in, in the middle of crunch right now. <laughs> and will you support iOS 13 or just 14? No. We, 14. we, we go 14 only. 14 and up um but it's insane that when we build it there were so many pain points right because a lot of things didn't work on mac os and the focus was definitely on ios and and watch os and we're like ah it's just the right decision probably not but now building the ios app and being able to reuse i would say probably 75 percent of the code mm. it's it's so quick we have the entire app now working in in a week and it's it's a nice app i think it's already nice as it is right now Ship it. and we thought <laughs> we yeah we i think we're actually probably one day or two away from it being shippable there are certain things we want to get in there because we want to support widgets if we can and we want to do certain things a bit nicer mm. um but we didn't think that it would only take us like a good i mean even if we're like pessimistic saying two weeks now to get an entire like time tracking invoicing app done on ios there, there was no way we would have made that if we had we d- written the the mac app in in AppKit and then kind of re-implementing mm. all of that being a native mac app then can you just reuse your ios widgets because with the catalyst app it will just pull in the ios widgets and they're available but do you have to actually mm-hmm. build them in any kind of different way for a native mac app or no i think widgets are always rendered with catalyst right even even the native ones are actually rendered through catalyst on on the mac so you're you're getting the normal ios widgets okay so if you have a as far as i know same same disclaimer for me i'm often i'm probably wrong about this but i believe <laughs> if you have a universal app and you have a widget it will just use the ios widget as is okay as yeah so on, on mac i guess my point is any benefit you get from the ios ones you're you can bring straight into your mac app anyways so yeah yeah that seems worthwhile yeah. so it's, the workflow has been really nice and mm. especially it's a bit weird initially when you have a lot of like if os mac os and if uh, else if uh, os ios and you're like ah it's kind of messy but when you get through some of them it's it's actually surprising we often have like a different header and a different kind of safe environment like save buttons on mac os are usually kind of in the bottom of like a sheet mm-hmm. for example right mm-hmm. well on mac os it would be kind of in the top in the nav bar or the toolbar so we're kind of having most of the middle of each view we can reuse and we're only changing the top and the bottom mm-hmm. and we always start off with something that works it might not look right but at least it works and that's a really really nice starting point to then make changes because we already know in theory the updating works all the logic works and now we just make it pretty and that's it's been super satisfying to to work that way at least i found it really 
really nice to work that way. Yeah, that's where I've found pulling yeah. a lot of the code out into packages has been useful. So not even mm. any of the rendering mm. code necessarily, just um, just the data model and all of that, bring it out. And then you can actually, it's a lot quicker to test as well. You don't have to build your whole project every time. You can just build that mm-hmm. package. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And it just makes you think about it in a, in a more organized way, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, our last question of our rapid round segment. Oh, sorry. Um, we're still rapid rounding, are we? Sorry. It wasn't very rapid. I gave too many <laughs> no, words. It never works out. It don't never. worry. <laughs> uh, well, this might be the shortest rapid round still. <laughs> like a challenge. You're doing great. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> so, um, what do you prefer? Storyboard or interface builder or working with laying out all of your code, all of your UI in code or I guess Swift UI? Like what type of way of laying out code or laying out your UI do you prefer? Uh, at this point where I'm at is probably a whole bunch of storyboards. So chunk them all up into okay. just like semi-related views. So um trying to think like a, like a setting screen. I'd then abstract that out into a setting storyboard. And then if that sort of gets too complex, so like in one of the apps, like I was talking about Apple Music before, there's an Apple Music section and that has, mm-hmm. I was going to say it has, actually I don't think it does, but let's pretend it has several screens. So then if that got to an unmanageable <laughs> point, I never want to get the storyboards just too big. But I do a lot yeah. of, I don't really use a lot of um, segues necessarily. A lot of the okay. views are shown so, in code, like mm. launching the segue mm-hmm. in code rather than, mm-hmm. but yeah. A lot of it gets laid out that way, and then there's, hmm. yeah, it's hard. It's 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 a hybrid of everything, really. Yeah, no, that makes sense, and I feel like often like the storyboard can be good for for many things, but then some things you want to tweak in code, or you want to do the segment the segues in code. So I feel like it makes sense. Like it doesn't it doesn't get as messy if you have everything in one storyboard. Well, if you if you do that and have segues between all the different flows, that can be quite difficult to navigate. So. Yeah, I mean you have to storyboard references, like what are they called? Yeah. References. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's just so they, they get too big, segue. and just Xcode doesn't like them. And I think there's certain yeah. Yeah. certain mm. versions of storyboards or certain things you can do to them that slow down Xcode massively, even if they're not big. Mm-hmm. So I often think that okay. it's probably worthwhile just recreating storyboards from scratch at certain points, <laughs> just to <laughs> see if that improves anything. But <laughs> Um, but I, any I any opportunity I've got to not open a massive storyboard, like because I've abstracted mm-hmm. it down, I think is a bit of a time gain, at least anyway. Yeah, mm. yeah I often so. fe- felt that way with storyboard. If I had to move a button from one side to another, it was quicker to just rebuild the whole thing <laughs> than actually trying mm. to restructure my my uh, all my constraints. But some of the like device switching and um, trait cl- the trait adjustments, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff's mm-hmm. that stuff's really good. I think that's gotten a lot better in recent versions. Just checking mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. dark and light mode. And does that work on Catalyst? Like, do, if you run your app on Catalyst, does it, what does it present itself at? Does it actually ch- change the size classes based on how big the window is? I don't know. I hard code the sizes. <laughs> well, that's one way. <laughs> yeah, no, because the only app I've got at the moment on the Mac is Streaks, and that mm-hmm. sort of lends itself to particular dimensions, width versus height. So. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more controlled than it probably should be. Uh, Strix for macros was featured in Canada yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I saw that here as well, actually. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know where they got that artwork from for that because I certainly didn't provide it, but it's <laughs> nice. It's better than what <laughs> I came up with, so I'll take it. <laughs> no, it was like all this um, illu- illu- like comical illustration kind of thing, if, if it's the mm. same one that mm. I saw. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a very consistent theme with those illustrations on the App Store at the and moment. And a very long theme. Like I feel like the the, mm. the iOS app store is cycling through the themes every now and then, right? You kind of see like different trends of different directions of how they're keeping the artwork consistent. Mac OS had those 
caricature illustrations for quite some time now. Uh, maybe maybe they're just not doing oh, anything in the yeah. App Store until uh, until Apple Silicon Max. I do wonder what will happen to the App Store with Apple Silicon and iOS apps all coming to macOS. That will be quite an interesting challenge to make the App Store not feel. I mean, maybe they just make it busy, but how do you how do you present? Does an iPad app that runs on your Mac? Does an iPhone app that runs on your Mac? Does mm. a Mac app that runs on your Mac will be quite in, and then also features? Will will iOS apps get features on the Mac App Store on an Apple Silicon Mac, but then not on Intel Mac? Will they c bring them together? Will you have different sections? Do we know any of that? So many questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a rapid question round, just no answers. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but even like screenshots. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I've actually opted out of the automatic um, porting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just because, well, Streaks, for obvious reasons, is already a Mac app, so it doesn't make sense. Yep. Mm. And the other ones just don't really lend themselves to being Mac apps at this point. So, um, mm. yeah, that's just, I, I want to have, I guess, greater control over the experience. And I don't know if that's going to provide it initially. I just want to see how it pans out at least. I'm not... It's not mm. a no, it's just mm. a wait and see at this point. I don't know anyone who hasn't unchecked that checkbox <laughs> that actively made the decision. Everyone I'm speaking to like, no, first thing I did, untick it, untick oh. it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what apps do make it on because I'm guessing a lot of the larger apps like Facebook and stuff won't want that either because they like controlling their experience. Their apps um, are and they so probably custom, get they probably don't even benefit run. from people <laughs> using the web. So it's going to be mm. interesting. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried that people who care the least that might not even know about the checkbox, they will just leave it wherever it is. And then you have a yeah. whole bunch of apps of people who do not care first. And that's not a great initial presentation, I mm -hmm. think. So it will be interesting how that's managed too. Mm. Yeah, quite. <laughs> All right. So uh, we should move on to talk a bit about Streaks. Uh, so for people who don't know, uh, Quinton made an app called Streaks, which is a, a habit tracker. Uh, I've been using it for a while now. And I think my first streak was actually use Streaks. Which basically oh. was a way for me to start using the app. Um, and then Very I got into the role of using the app. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it worked really good because that means that I would continue like thinking about what else I could open the streak for and what I could, what, like what I wanted to improve in my daily life. And it was a, a good way of doing it. And now I have a lot of them that I'm think I'm doing pretty good with. Uh, Like I, I really like the reminders and that I'm being, I'm being kept on, I keep on being bugged about things that I haven't done. Um, so it's, it works really well for me. And I think for me, like getting a healthy habit has always been like really helpful if I can track it and make it a bit of a competition mm. to some extent. So like the fact that I have that streak. Sounds like a thing. healthy habit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I Competitive really, really. trash taking outing. <laughs> It's so much more satisfying to take out the trash if you then can yeah. like, check yeah. a checkbox. It's But you great. also have that. You're like... We got to take the trash out now. It's like, yeah. why? It's, we don't have that much. It's like, no, <laughs> the guy's uh, like, why? It's 11 p.m. The app tells me it's to. Like, no, yeah. I got to get it in before midnight. <laughs> it's right. like, all right, I guess we're going down with the trash at <laughs> 11.30 p.m. <laughs> But yeah, I, I really I really love the app. So oh, thank, you. Uh, thank you so much for making it. Um, I would like to just hear a bit like how you got started with it. Why did you decide to make streaks in the first place? Uh, yeah, so it's so I make it with, an, with another... Um, I want to say designer, developer, um, <laughs> local to me. Well, I do, I do all the, the grunt work uh, as far as the, mm -hmm. the programming goes. But uh, I guess we, we jointly came up with the concept and developed, um, you know, like the look and feel that has remained pretty consistent over time. And mm. but, but for me initially, it was, uh, I think it was mid 
2015 that we launched it. But yeah, for me, it was basically there were a handful of things I wanted to do every day. And I knew about the, I guess, the concept of um, just doing a little bit every day, no matter how big or small. Like if you want to reach, you know, what what I was doing at the time, I was writing a book um, and I was going very slowly with it. And I thought if I can just write like a sentence, even if it's just a sentence, that's progress, that's forward progress. It gets me closer to the goal. Or maybe I'll write a page, I don't know. But the, the idea was that as long as there's something being done on it, the project's always moving forward and you're always sort of getting over like little roadblocks with it. Um, Did you actually release the book? Yeah, it's pretty boring. It's it's a technical book about <laughs> um, public transport data. So you know. oh, that, that doesn't, doesn't sound boring. boring. <laughs> yeah, just read it and then you'll be bored. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, it's 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 fine. Like it it served its purpose, but I guess the point was that the um the app helped me sort of get to that point. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just that. Th- there were a handful of other things that I wanted to do each day, and I found myself just pretty much. I'd sit down at my desk every single day. I'd open up notepad or whatever text editor not notepad because I don't use Windows, but you know whatever mm. text edit or whatever it was, and I just write four or five things down every single day. And, and then I found after a while, like one of them was do support email. Um, one of them was do a bit on the book. And I thought, oh, this mm-hmm. is just the same thing every day. It's a pretty uninteresting way of doing it, even though it's, I'm finding it to be an effective way of um, keeping mm-hmm. me on top of things. And there it led to, I guess, streaks as we know it now. Like you can, I've still got the d- initial designs and screenshots and it pretty much looks exactly the same in terms of layout. So it hasn't really changed. It's kept pretty true to its original design, um, even when it was just a, a prototype that, didn't really do too much. Um, so that's, I guess, where it started. And then um, knowing that like I was using it and Isaac was using it and then a handful of other people using it and they're all, we're all like, oh, that's actually, actually seems to be working pretty well. It's pretty useful. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was looking at the, I think the GitHub activity graph is that little, mm-hmm. you know, that rectangle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, yeah. little green boxes of different shades. I thought it'd be cool to incorporate something like that. We could never really get the, I've seen a couple of apps since attempted as well, but for us, we could never really get the, the right vibe of showing different levels of that the activity for that task on a particular day being that like mm-hmm. darker green means you're doing more or um, mm-hmm. lighter green means you're doing some but not not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the end, we sort of settled on like a binary, did we do it or didn't we do it? And that was the key mm-hmm. thing. Like it's never shown super-duper advanced statistics and that's by design because we wanted to keep the app as simple as possible. We don't mm-hmm. want to sort of get too distracted necessarily. We want to really keep it focused on the main thing was did we do the thing today or not? Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, funny, you know, when, when people say, I want to start a blog and they have to build an entire blogging engine first. You want to write a book, <laughs> so you have to build an app to keep you on track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, <laughs> yeah, like it, it's it's hard because, and that's, that's an example of, with streaks, you kind of do have to learn how to use it in a sense of like you could say do a blog, but really what, how you should be approaching it is breaking that down to the steps that you need in order to get to that mm. point. So it's not necessarily do a <laughs> blog, but it might be like, mm. um, I don't know, do some research for my first articles or mm. write write a paragraph yeah, on an yeah. article or something like that. It's those mm. actual sort of tangible mm. steps that when you look back at it, you go, oh, they, I've actually achieved this now. Mm. Now I can put this towards the next thing. Um, so mm. at that point, maybe the task um, graduates to something more complex and and the idea with the number of tasks being limited is that if you do four or five of your tasks in that last task, even if it's completely unrelated, it just kind of nudges you in the direction of doing that. So it has this sort of self-feeding effect in that it, it sort of feeds vertically and horizontally in that it will keep you on track with the one thing, but it'll also push you to do those other things that are completely unrelated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think we've managed to find probably accidentally, but found a good balance of uh, motivating or a way to motivate people. Mm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think I, I found it really, really helpful. So that's awesome. 
did you so you also got an NDA not NDA an ADA um, an Apple Design Award plenty, plenty for of the NDAs, app. but yeah um. <laughs> <laughs> probably that too yeah. Uh, um, yeah but the ADA is probably the bigger achievement <laughs> <laughs> yeah so congrats on that as well thank um, you yeah that was that must have been really really exciting yeah it was pretty amazing because having been to I think I'd only been to one dub dub before that in 2013 so, and I'd been to the ADA presentation, I was like, oh, it's really interesting. I, I can't remember which app's won, mm. but I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't really know too much about it. Um, so, it was, But then after that, it was always sort of in the back of my mind. I was like, how do people actually win these? Like, what are the criteria? And I, mm. Like, I, I still mm. don't really know, and most people don't know, but <laughs> I think there's um, – I'm sure if you looked at a cross-section of all the apps, there'd be certain attributes that are consistent across all of them. But, um, yeah, mm. and then I received – word that we should probably be in san francisco around the time of dub dub because it may or may not be happening and so there we were <laughs> and that's that's pretty much how it went um <laughs> nice. so i don't know that's if awesome. i'm i don't know if i'm um ruining the illusion for anybody but uh, it's it's not completely <laughs> you're not just sitting in the auditorium with no knowledge of it happening you you're aware that you may be going up on yeah, stage yeah and i think that sounds fair because you would want to know like you would want to be there, right? Like yep, being there is a good starter. <laughs> yeah, and if you do have other people who you worked with, you want to bring those part, no, those people in your team there as well. So. Yeah, and they don't want to do a sense. presentation without the person going up, so that could be a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah, maybe you should sit close to the front in this uh, third session it's, of the it's day. It's actually not so, surprisingly <laughs> how far people sit away, considering that they know. Like the last few uh, ADA sessions that we went to, sometimes people come from the back row. I'm like, really? Mm. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know if I I can't speak to this officially, but just my own observations. Like, I do wonder if they scattered everyone around to give the illusion of yeah. the randomization. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I was thinking too, I like it looks a bit that, too but, obvious. Um, <laughs> Could be anyone in but the audience. You never know. Maybe since I want, maybe people don't know. Maybe there was. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't know, and they would just happen to be sitting where they were sitting. Yeah, like other other people that we spoke to, they they definitely knew before. Um, but I don't know if they were scattered on purpose or if they just happened to not get a better seat. Yeah, <laughs> could be. Could be. Um, <laughs> I remember being there that year and um, thinking it was really cool to see you get up on stage and also the team from Zova because uh, I didn't really know any other Australians who were there. But then to see a couple of uh, Australian companies mm. winning ADAs, that was um, that was super cool. Mm. And yeah, uh, I think I yeah, think there's actually see. been a bit of Australian representation over the years. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't name them all, but I know there's I know of it. Um, yeah, a handful of apps that have at least been based in Australia or had Australian developers as part of them mm. or whatever. Mm. So that's been really good to see, especially when you consider there are only, I don't know how many, I think there are f- maybe nine this year, not 10, but when it's normally like, let's mm. say nine to 12 awards or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's pretty good representation, I think. Yeah. Australia is really yeah. good. I mean, there's often one or two. Yeah. yeah. Procreate. And pretty good. I mean, then the Moleskine apps, right. they're, yeah. yep. they're having a bunch of Australians. Mm-hmm. And the um, streaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember. Was a- I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, there's the, it there was, was a game the, the as love, well. Yeah, the game love experience one, which. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. With, um, it's funny because I actually yeah know one of the developers um, <laughs> on that one as well now. Names completely escaped me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> someone Google it real quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that was um, yeah. It's been really yeah. good to see. Yeah. Uh, so um, how do you? This is always something I, I'm interested in uh, because Kai and I we we feel like we work quite a lot, but we don't do it. We we do it because we want to work a lot on our apps. So I'm always curious to hear like how much time people spend on on their projects, and I think streaks and both streaks, streaks workout, and 
Outcast. Those are your th- those are your main products, right? You don't right. do yeah. you don't have a full time job. Like you, you're not employed by someone at the same time. That's right? right. Yeah, purely relying on app store sales. I just want to go back and say the app is called Florence. <laughs> I was going to say Alice, and I didn't think it was right, so I googled uh-huh, it real Florence. quick. Mm-hmm. Florence. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, how do you split your time across the apps that you have and the different platforms? Uh, it's it's a lot of work. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's 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 pretty much on some kind of a release cycle or. Um, based on I guess what goals I want to meet. So so this this year widgets is the big the big um the big new feature mm-hmm. at least. I mean there's other things obviously like app clips and stuff, but uh, that's not a path I've gone down quite yet. But widgets I can mm-hmm. saw straight away. That's something that I want to have mm-hmm. in my apps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. widgets make and, a lot of sense for streaks. Yeah, and and it fit really well with like the complications on the Apple Watch app. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that that's an experience I can bring over onto iOS. So that's something I want to focus on. And with streaks, I've generally released a major update around the new ios launch each year so we're pretty much on track mm. not not that we're necessarily aiming for that but that's sort of how it's panned out so so at that point after dub dub the roadmap was basically let's let's get this next major version of streaks up and running with widgets yeah. and a handful of other things that we we've been working on and um and so that's sort of been the goal and then Likewise, we've got a minor update coming for Streaks Workout as well, uh, which okay. adds widget support, but not a whole lot else at the moment. We've got a lot of other stuff in the pipeline, but we did a major update for Streaks Workout, I think, earlier. I can't remember the exact date, but it was, I don't know if it was pre-pandemic or mid-pandemic or <laughs> it was, uh, everything feels like a million years ago, but earlier this year, I think it was. So, um, approximately aiming for what, sort of a, a major release per year. And so, the, the timing okay. fits around that. And then there's obviously like, we, being that we don't, really follow super strict software development practices in a lot of senses. Um, <laughs> major features may get dropped in on minor or point releases at times. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not not preferable, but sometimes things just don't quite make the, the timing of the previous one, so they get pushed back. Um, so a lot of it just is, is juggling around those things. How much pressure do you put on yourself to be ready for like day one iOS 14, for example? Is that something you're like, that is kind of the one deadline a year or? Yeah, pretty much. Whether it's a major update or a minor update, I just want an update. Hmm. Um, hmm. And and often with my apps, because they're supporting things like HealthKit and um, mm-hmm. WatchKit and all those things, there are e- even just to do a minor release with support for new iOS or watchOS does involve like a whole bunch of new, like um, adding new workout types, for example, in HealthKit. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a couple of new ones um, or new complicate. Like this year, there's a new complication size that graphic extra large. So supporting that one mm-hmm. is is sort of one sort of mandatory thing or one minimum you have to get done. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously testing all the regressions because they seem to find their way in. Like I'm having a real problem with um, Siri watch face at the moment. I just can't figure out how to get around it. Basically, if I use Siri watch face, it reboots my watch. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> reliab- okay. Yeah, reliably. And I don't know if it's happening with all apps, <laughs> but it's happening with my apps and that's, I don't know how to fix it. It's been impossible. So I don't know if it's my <laughs> issue or if it's a system issue, but I'd, I'd like to think that I shouldn't be able to reboot the watch, but. Um, and maybe it's a hidden feature. Yeah, regardless, it's a bit unsettling, especially when we're probably a week away from like gold masters and things well, like I've that. Had to, I've, um, I've had to disable Siri Watch Face support for at least this first version because I just can't right. get around it. And I have filed a radar or filed a feedback or, mm. you know, so just waiting on that. But <laughs> so we'll, awkward, file a yeah. feedback. It, it sounded so much better when it was a radar. Yeah, but it's, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that gets fixed. Mm. Now, because the thing is, like, with, like, from a technical point of view, with widgets, um, the configuration system from widgets is all mashed in with the 
intense configuration for Siri shortcuts. So mm-hmm. I don't know if like I don't know if I'm doing it to their best practices, but basically all my intents and widget configurations are all in a single file. And I don't know if the widget stuff is causing some kind of conflict on the Apple Watch because it's not supported on there. If it's something else, um, so the yeah, I do the same thing with having one intense file, but um, it gets out of hand really fast. Well, and I, I've, I know you you do a lot more than I do. And um, at my small scale, I'm already struggling to support all the things. So uh, I can't imagine the problems you're running into. Well, I wouldn't do it if I didn't have to, but there's a whole bunch of custom data types, which then create their own class in Swift. And yeah. I don't want to duplicate that across the intense yeah. files. And, and then no, it's a lot exactly. more effort because that's the other thing, like with which a lot of other people aren't necessarily facing, but I'm translating streaks into 27 languages or whatever it is. I'm not doing it myself. I don't know. Oh, wow. I don't know 27 languages. I barely know one. <laughs> um, so, beginning all the co- getting, yeah, you are Australian after all. the um, intense stuff. <laughs> translators like it's a lot of work. Like especially, mm-hmm. um, it's, mm. it's yeah. uniquely more work than any other part of translating strings in. Mm. Do you create screenshots for all of the 27 languages? Yeah, so I automate that. So I was actually getting all that up and running recently. Yeah, so I've been playing around with um, the Xcode, what is it, the test plans, the XC test plans. And so Mm -hmm. I've got a test Mm -hmm. plan for screenshot generation. So I'm actually using Fastlane Snapshot for that, Mm -hmm. not the built-in Xcode generation, just purely Mm -hmm. because I've got all that up and running and I haven't tried the other thing. Yeah, that makes sense. At what point did you decide, all right, let's let's go heavy on language support? Oh, straight, straight away. Like something nah, you had a priority. Yeah? Okay. Well, it's oh, wow. a, like being an indie dev and selling your apps, it's pretty tough business. So you want to have as many, as big <laughs> of a customer base as mm-hmm. possible to choose, the, like a bigger, mm-hmm. as big a pool to choose from. So, you know, English, I don't know how many people in the world that is, but it's probably half of the iOS world. So why cut out the other 50%? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. so yeah, language has always been a like really high priority and making sure everything works as well as it can and right to left support and also mm. do That's what awesome. I can with like dynamic type and, um, mm-hmm. voiceover mm. and all, you know, just basically trying to maximize the customer base and not everything's perfect with all of it. Mm. But, um, I think, I think pe- Customers are generally pretty forgiving of some of that stuff and they'll say, hey, this translation is not quite right or this isn't reading properly on the screen. Can you fix this? It can Mm. be pretty easy. Like you can test, you can have unit tests for a lot of this stuff. And I've been working on, in addition to screenshot generation, but UI unit testing as well. But you can just so easy to miss things. Like one example would be reading the elements out of order on a screen. So going back to your storyboards question, if you put Mm -hmm. a label Mm -hmm. down, or if you put two labels down, one can appear above the other one, but in the hierarchy in the file one the other one may appear first and so screen reader will appear mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. read the second one first so you can mm-hmm. run into situations where things get read out of order and or they just don't get read properly i, I ran into another issue that's actually semi-interesting um well i thought it was um <laughs> but some there's an external keyboard access um function you can add on ios so basically you can control your iphone with a bluetooth keyboard and when you do mm-hmm. that it actually enables so in Streaks Workout, because it's a TV app as well, I've got all the Focus Engine stuff in there where you can use a mm-hmm. Siri remote to um, select different mm-hmm. elements. But when you enable the external Bluetooth keyboard on your iPhone, it enables all the Focus Mode stuff. So suddenly elements that you normally have to tap on can actually be focused and so there'll oh, be a ring around them. And that was causing a, a crash mm-hmm. that I would never have discovered just because this accessibility setting happened to be on. And the surprise, surprise, the symbolicated symbolicated crash log didn't tell me that that was the issue but um <laughs> yeah so when i finally figured that out it's like oh, that's right you have to really test all of these things with all the accessibility mm. settings and that bug hadn't come up in other apps because i hadn't implemented any focus engine stuff um mm. yeah mm. so there's just so many edge cases and 
stuff, but mm-hmm. I think it's worthwhile because you just maximize your user base. Yeah, and, yeah. and you got to remember, sense. like con- countries like Germany are massive. Like they, like yeah. I, I've just anecdotally, I've found I think Germany to be. I get more qu- more queries about Apple Watch apps and stuff from German customers than uh, apart from English than any other language. So, that, mm. and I think Japan as okay. well. Like they're just like very worthwhile countries to focus on because you know why cut out a huge part mm. of your base? And yeah, a lot of other countries speak mm. English now, but they don't all. And even if they do speak English, they still want mm. the local language mm. yeah yeah do you also localize all your change logs uh, i did like all your update notes? i did try that for a while that becomes a bit unmanageable and especially since most people yeah. probably don't read them um mm-hmm. especially on apple tv like when have you ever seen a change log on apple <laughs> yeah. tv like seriously they buried it with the apps <laughs> auto update and the change logs are buried away but um yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and they're the, the displays really i mean they're not displayed in the most appealing way either so yeah. even if you mm-hmm. dig your way in there, anyway, I know a there's a place you want to. Yeah, read. there's a little dot next to the app after it's been updated. Mm. But um, mm. it would be good if they actually, like some of the new translation, um, like the Translate app in iOS 14, it would be good if that mm. stuff mm. becomes a bit more deeply integrated. And maybe it will. But mm. so in, yeah, you know, the App Store app, maybe you could tap a button and it translates it, kind of like what the Google Translate bar does um, in mm. in Chrome or whatever. Uh, so how do you? How do you find that? I feel like I don't meet many people who have made an Apple TV app. <laughs> How do you find, like, do you find that many people use the Apple TV app? And do you find, like, is that very different to develop for in comparison to the iOS yeah, app? Yeah, I actually really like developing. It's probably one of, like, I, pro- yeah. I was going to say it's one of my favorite platforms to develop, but I actually like doing all of them. So I like doing watchOS as well. But <laughs> Apple TV is like, <laughs> it's pretty interesting because you, I don't know, like, you just chuck a bit of code together and you got this thing on the TV that you can scroll around and, um, hmm. it's um, it's pretty much exactly the same as you would do otherwise. It's just that your input is a remote instead of tapping on the screen, so that change forces you to think about layout and text size and things like that. But hmm. um, I don't know exactly how many people use it. Certainly not as many as the iOS apps, but I get a lot of people contacting about it. And I guess one of the big limitations with it has been a single iCloud account, and that's changing this year as well. So you can actually have oh, multiple. Yeah, mm, yeah, that feels strange. Yeah, so multiple profiles, like each profile can have its own iCloud account now, which means each person can have their own data, um, as well as picture in picture mm. at the OS level. And mm-hmm. what's mm. the other one? Oh, and the Apple Music thing. So those three things I think will make, mm. I guess, my app at least a much more compelling experience, just because those mm. three things were things that the app really <laughs> needed, I think. So just on the Apple TV stuff, um, I'm wondering how much of your UI code do you share between iOS and tvOS? Because I've done my fair share of work on tvOS apps, and in some projects, um, we try and use uh, like the same view classes and sort of if def out um, if we need to change values for certain platforms. And other ones, we just redo views um, per platform. So I'm just kind of curious how much of that shared. Off the top of my head, if I was to put a number on it, I would say probably like maybe 95% of the code shared, and maybe none of the store. And all the storyboards oh, are separate. That's pretty good, yeah. Um, I think they have to be. Yeah, the storyboards nice. doesn't really make sense because just the layout's so completely different. Yeah, yeah, And sure. And even just the way you construct, um, like, nav controllers and tab bar controllers, that's, I think it, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm doing this right in a couple, there's, it's, there's a few weird <laughs> things because basically you can prevent people from going back on iOS. You can't really prevent it in the same way, like... If they back out of your app, you, they kind of have to go yeah. through your work, your hierarchy of views, and that can lead to some weird. Um, you end up in some. Yeah, there's always that logical yeah, progression. Yeah, you can, you can on end TV. up in some different places. Um, you can't control the experience quite as much necessarily. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that leads to a few different things, but the code's almost always the same. There's a few cases where, like, mm-hmm. what's an example? Like, there's no there's no UI pick of view, for example, on TVOS. So mm-hmm. that code will be defined out for TVOS, and then I'll have like a a, a plus minus button with a value in the middle of it, or something like that. Some kind of yeah. other custom yeah. control. Yeah. Nice. Um, and yeah, you could probably abstract that to a, like a container class that you could share across both, but mm. I haven't gone to that level. So yeah, I try and share as much as I can because it just makes life a bit easier. Mm. Nice. And is that the same um, with a lot of your, I know you, sh- you spoke about breaking things into packages. Is that the same with a lot of your Apple Watch stuff? Because I know you, you know, one of the devs who've done the most with Apple Watch probably <laughs> um, and, and worked on some cool things, but um, do, do you manage to share a good portion of that as well? Obviously not the UI for watchOS, but um, at least the underlying stuff. Yeah, not a, like not as much as I would have liked, but I'm gradually trying to move all that. So I'd have separate, I guess, a separate model. So I'd use core data on the iOS app, for example, and then I'd have a sort of separate mm-hmm. data model that wasn't using core data on all the extensions, including, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's the Siri, the Intense extension or the Notifications extension or Today extension or the Watch extension, all of that stuff. But I'm gradually <laughs> trying to move that all over to all just use common code for that. But but from an actual logic, so ignoring UI and ignoring the the model, I guess, the actual app logic, I generally share a lot of that stuff. Um I'd like to give one example in streaks. If you get, if you complete all of your tasks, the screen will turn gold. Um, so there's a there's a class that determines whether or not the um, whether or not the screen should turn gold, and that that mm-hmm. one class is shared on both. So like I'm not sort of rewriting all of that stuff every single time. So yeah, so so a lot of it is um, as, as much as possible is shared. And I, I'm constantly refactoring. Like I think I pasted on Twitter the other week something the the change log for the next version of streaks is something like. I think plus forty thousand lines of code and minus one hundred and fifty thousand lines of code, or something like something stupid. Anyway, <laughs> so like I've managed to just kill mm-hmm. a bunch of redundant code, which is like pretty useful. And is that in a uh, large part due to um, dropping support for? I think did you say you dropped ten and eleven in the next? Yeah. Release? So I don't know if I'm going to have some annoyed customers or not, but uh, every time I launched Xcode twelve, it would prompt me to upgrade settings to to ios 12 minimum and at a certain point i was like well i definitely (laughs) i was supporting nine i'm like i definitely don't want to support nine anymore because yeah well that goes back to i guess the philosophy of trying to you know expand your user base as much as possible yeah yeah but things like a lot's changed since nine like one example is the user notification center works in a completely different way Mm -hmm. and so i i had two lots of notification systems in streaks that i was having to maintain and that's absolute pain and a lot of iCloud stuff had changed as well <laughs> and getting rid of mm. 9 just made a lot of that so much easier and then once I got rid of 9 I was like okay well so which devices are using 10 and then I realized that if you're using basically if you're using 10 you can use 12 or if you're using 11 mm. you can use 12 it's pretty much I think the yeah. I think the iPhone 5 was the only one that was the last iPhone that didn't support iOS 12 so I think even the 5s and 5c supported I could be wrong on that but it's somewhere around there mm. anyway or maybe yeah. it's the 6s mm. I don't know whatever it was it's like five years. I feel like that's yeah. yeah. it's time. The, yeah. The, the only, <laughs> I guess the 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 place where I think I might cop some flack over that is people with older iPads because there might be a handful of people mm. running iOS 11 mm. on their iPad still, and people don't upgrade mm. as often, presumably. But you're not taking the app away from them, right? They can still run what they have. They yes, they can. Yeah, they can. But they'll uh, yeah. I don't know how the experience will. It, like it gets tricky when you're supporting a lot of platforms because. If they've got the most up-to-date version on the Mac and they've got the most up-to-date version mm, on their iPhone yeah. but an older version on their iPad, it may run into some weird some weird issues mm. where there's some functionality that's in the new one that isn't support on the old one. 
Like I can't guarantee exactly what's going to happen with the old one in, in that situation. <laughs> like I, I like to think it will all work fine, but you know, we're software developers, so we know it won't. It's interesting. Like some <laughs> indies swear by, we we don't have a big company behind us, so we can drop iOS versions every year and everything is fine. We move uh, move that way, and that's that's the benefit of being yeah. indie. While others kind of go the route, let's extend our user base as much as possible, and that's how we can stay indie. It's interesting that both, you know, like you hear people in both extremes mm. and it works turns out both people both groups can be right at the same well, I don't time know. i don't know if i'm right yet but i guess for me it's it's also just a i mean um done for a little bit now i, I think you're definitely falling into the you're proving that it works mm. no well, i haven't really way. done i haven't dropped three uh, i've typically dropped one version a year so but i've always been so what would be four versions behind so this year i'm going from four versions to two versions that's <laughs> the biggest jump um mm. have you ever gotten any negative feedback in previous years when you drop a version? Uh, that's a good question. No, I don't know if I have. Don't Probably not. Do you get many... Do, do users contact you oh, yeah, I get all sorts a lot of in general? No. Um, no, users are really good. <laughs> no, like I've, I've been running a test flight for the next version of Streaks and mm. it's gone from about, I think, about 1,500 people to about 7,000 people. Oh, wow. Um, oh. Yeah. And that's been pretty wild, but it means I've been getting a ton of test flight feedback so i mean that's obviously a different i guess mm-hmm. class of user or different type of user um but i've been getting a lot of feedback which has been super useful in finding bugs like there's a new feature i added and i thought it was all set and ready to go and then someone emailed me today and like oh this thing isn't quite working right and i dug in and like oh yeah that really doesn't work right and but then in finding that issue i also found another bug so just by that person emailing me and actually trying out some of the new stuff they found something that i mm. like some some edge case that i hadn't actually um, run into yet so that that's been really good from that and even just when it's not test flight i get a lot of people saying can you add this or can you add this or can we have more than 12 mm. tasks that's the most common one we get um <laughs> so but yeah we have a lot of feedback and people will often suggest stuff and i said and i will often just say well what do you think how do you think we should do this like i really try and not as a cop-out or being lazy but i people ask for a lot of stuff and i get a lot of queries that are similar but <laughs> slightly different and so i try and get a i guess a more not that i'm looking for them to do the work for me but i want to get a better picture of how they want to use the app rather than what yeah like you know it, you, you guys would find this like non-technical people often start with their solution rather than their problem mm-hmm. yeah. and I, I just want to know what their mm. problem is because mm. you know, knowing what i know about the app i can probably come up with a like, let's be honest, probably a better solution. And one, and one that... Like, what are you yeah, trying what do you actually to do? What's your desired yeah. outcome? Not what are the steps you're currently taking, mm-hmm. which are probably not the right ones. I get yeah. that all, all the time, like, not even with app development, just with, like, family trying to fix stuff, like, fix routers <laughs> and whatever. Like, that's the general thing. I did this and I did this. Like, yeah, but what are you actually trying to achieve? Um, because yeah. you get a... When I've got... That's one person trying to fix one thing. But if I've got 10 or 15 people asking mm. a very similar thing, I can get mm. a broader mm. grasp of it by the, mm. by saying, what are you actually trying to achieve? What do you want to do? How do you want to use this feature? And I think there's been some pretty good mm. advancements in the app, just, mm. I guess, by putting it back in the user's court a little bit because they mm. they they think about it a bit more. And I, I get people drawing screen, like they'll take a screenshot and they'll draw over the top of it and they'll say, this should do this. And um, mm. often they're things we're already working on. And I'll say, like, we'd, we're trying to add this as quick as we can. Other mm-hmm. times, it's like, oh, I don't think we'll be able to add that anytime soon, but um, definitely noted. So, yeah, it's. Mm. I think we have an overall pretty good relationship with customers. I get a few very abusive ones, mm. and I just I just call them out on it. Basically, I don't really stand for it. <laughs> like, I mean, I I often try and ignore if, if they've got a like a genuine gripe and they're just shitty about it. I just um mm. you know I'll just look past that and actually try and help them. But if they're just being mm. Like completely rude, I'll often say, "Come on, like we're still, <laughs> we're still humans in a um, society." Here, I think, but 
maybe not online, yeah. but you know. And do you find that most people send you emails about that or do they give you like a negative app store uh, review? A bit of both, but obviously always encourage okay. people to email because mm-hmm. that's a direct line yeah. that yeah. um yeah, so yeah. I don't mean to encourage anyone to send <laughs> no, no, but it's, angry reviews no, but it's, to you. <laughs> I, I'm sure every app developer has this frustration where people leave negative yeah. reviews and like, we never even asked me about it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. It's, it's also annoying sometimes when you get a, like, contacted a developer and never got a response and I know I've never received a question from them. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, which channel did you try to contact me on? How can I make this? Either, either they didn't actually or... S- I'm always worried that our feedback mechanism has some mm. kind of holds where things don't make it um, through. Yeah, the most frustrating one for me is when they email and they're like really annoyed and they've got a legitimate question you've got a le- and you've got a good answer for them and then you hit send and then it bounces back saying unknown email address. It's like, oh. <laughs> so you get that email ne- or like it never gets through them or they say, you are not on our spam filter list. I'm like, oh my God, do you want help or not? Like, <laughs> that's just so frustrating because it's like, like that's a person I could have converted or like made happy again yeah. and yeah. yeah, they never saw it and I have no way of telling. And I find that part super satisfying. If someone starts out being annoyed and then you talk to them and they get back to you. And oh, I didn't you, know there was like a real person there. Yeah, that's what from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? It's like sometimes just yeah. knowing that you're not talking to a faceless corporation, but a person, I don't, yeah, it's I don't know. I don't know what yeah. other people's support uh, channels must be like, but it's, I, I find it really satisfying of like answering nicely and then getting a feedback directly after saying, hey, I... I I very much appreciate your response. But as long as it's a response that actually answers the question, like how many times do you email someone and you get a real person replying to you, but they just haven't read your question at all? I'll often (laughs) reply, like if I'm I'm the customer and I'm trying to get support and they don't read it, I said, and they ask, Mm. you know, like it'll be, include your, like, what's your phone number? And you can do it in your initial email and they're like, oh, sorry, but what's your phone number? I'm like, read my first email. Like I just, I'm that rude customer sometimes, but I feel like I'm pretty, I feel like I'm pretty clear and... But the key to emailing me is really just ask me one thing. Short email, ask me one thing. If you've got mm. two questions, send me two emails. Mm. That's how I operate best. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think those things probably happen everywhere. H- how often have I gotten the, please read to us uh, in the latest uh, beta seat uh, during this beta season? Well, yeah. I do that to <laughs> with my customers as well. <laughs> no, because, uh, you know, sometimes you, you fall behind on support. And like, I think I fixed this in the next yeah. update. But I was like, you know, yeah. or like, Actually, I do try and make an effort of. It's different if you think you fixed it versus yeah, yeah, yeah. they just want to verify. <laughs> yeah. if well, it's but still like there. I said, like with streaks, I've changed you know 150,000 lines of code. There's a good chance I might have accidentally fixed your problem. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if, I, if I haven't explicitly, but I do try and keep a mental log of certain bugs. And I think, oh, that's right. I had a question about that, mm. and I'll I'll go and dig up six month old email and say, oh, do you mm. want to just try this again? I think mm. I might have fixed your problem. Mm. So you know, obviously, I like to fix. How do you keep track? Oh, just do in my you, mind. No, like, just, when you write your release notes. No, purely just email. Do you, do you go through like your merges? No, or? it's not, like I said, not that organized. Um, <laughs> it's something I'm I'm actively trying to improve. But no, no I, I, I track it all through email and using tags in email. And mm. Um, mm. I've yeah. used various support systems over the years and I just found that just didn't work for, I guess, what I was trying to achieve. Mm. And email, like good old email, it's just, <laughs> it works mm. pretty well. It's the reason why it's so popular. <laughs> it's always yeah. there, always reliable. Works well. I can't believe that we haven't spoken about exposure notifications yet. I know. Yeah. I'm always happy to complain I, about I'm, them if you want to keep going. I was looking forward to hearing your, your opinions on exposure notifications. Yeah, I've heard this you, is you something quite th- passionate about yeah, this. Mm. It's sort of been a reoccurring topic. And I think, especially Zach has been arguing a bit about how 
the COVID Safe app has been going in Australia, and or the lack thereof. <laughs> has, it, ha, has it has it been going? Oh, no, it's fair. <laughs> yeah, it's something we check in on, and you 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 actually been looking quite close at the notific- exposure notification uh, framework. It's just, so it's just an exercise in frustration. It really is because <laughs> it just doesn't seem mm-hmm. like our representatives are acting in the interests of the population, despite what they claim. It really doesn't. So I'm I'm not as tuned in on the Australian situation in particular. But I what I don't understand is what is the argument against using the APIs made by the vendors of the platform that they're trying to use for exposure non or exposure tracking or whatever you want to call it. Why would you not want to use Apple's and Google's frameworks? I don't really see. I I don't understand that argument. What what is the argument that's being made? I'll tell you what the argument... Well, the reality is there's no argument against it. Like, there is no compelling reason not to, except for ego, (laughs) really, in my my opinion. Um, Yeah, it's politics. There's no other reason. The arguments they're actually making... um, So, the the core one, from my understanding, is initially they thought it was going to contact out the the manual... Sorry, it's going to um, remove the manual contact tracing. So, the the way it's supposed to work, Mm -hmm. at least in Australia can't speak to other countries but in australia um somebody tests positive for covid they then proceed to have an interview with a contact tracer who says where have you been what times who have you been in contact with mm-hmm. all of that then they run down all those people and say who have you been in contact with oh, okay you need to go and get tested you need to isolate whatever whatever the outcome mm-hmm. is they it's a manual process and so mm-hmm. the initial argument was so Same exposure here. notification framework when it was initially advertised being a decentralized privacy first system the idea was that it would it would download the keys of any infected users to the person's phone and if it matched the keys it would then send a notification to that user immediately and pop up and say hey you've been exposed go and get tested or whatever so their initial argument was you know we 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 don't want to we don't want our contact tracers left out of that process we want them to control the interviews and all of that and that 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 to me is a reasonable Mm -hmm. argument and i think initially the Mm -hmm. the approval criteria from apple wasn't 100 percent clear not because of their fault just because it was a brand new system and there were still kinks to be ironed out and everyone was sort of trying to work out how it was meant to operate and as that sort of evolved and went on and other countries launched it became clear that they could actually fully involve the contact tracer as they had previously whereby if a match was detected on the phone, rather than notifying the user, it would just send a network request and, or like post the data um, to the authority with the person's registered name and number if they'd provided it. Mm-hmm. And then the tracer could call them and do their interview. And so in effect, it would give you basically everything you would have had prior, except um, uh, it, it wouldn't have told you maybe specific times and locations or anything like that, which COVID safe mm-hmm. wouldn't do anyway. It would give you specific times, whereas um, exposure notifications will give you mm. a window within the day. It would say on this day for this window mm. of time, as in for this 15-minute window on this day. So it's not as granular. but um, So that argument mm-hmm. was pretty much foiled instantly. The second argument was mm-hmm. we, don't, we, don't, we, we want to maintain data sovereignty. We want to keep control of our data, which is a crock, basically. Um, because mm-hmm. it's not like the data's been given up to Apple or Google. It's still all on the user's device. Yes, the government mm-hmm. doesn't have as big of an insight into it. However, they do have control over the algorithms that match the data. They can, they can, in effect, train the system. They can say, here's this threshold for distance and this threshold for time, and they can adjust mm-hmm. that on the fly. The way the, the way the Apple sample code actually works is every time it checks against the keys, it will download a new configuration from the key server as well. So it can those numbers can be adjusted on the fly, and that allows you to do some really interesting things like detect secondary exposures and all these mm-hmm. things that I don't think any other apps are doing, but you could actually infer that if person A's 
been infected and person B could have been inf infected and maybe person C is as well. So you could actually mm -hmm. draw a really long chain really mm -hmm. quickly. Um, mm -hmm. that, like you've seen that they've just got scale issues. Like it, it is really a scale issue at the moment. Like they're just having people manually call people. It's slow. It's people don't trust it. They don't re mm -hmm. return calls. They don't, it's all sorts of issues with it. And this eliminates all of the problems and the arguments don't actually match with reality. There's just, it, it's just not true what they're saying. It's just simply, it's just simply not mm -hmm. true. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Hmm. And even like multiple chances to provide phone number, right? You, I think in the you can do it on sign up. Uh, you could do it when you're when an exposure yeah. is matched. And even if ultimately that'd be the two key times. But ultimately, if you didn't want to provide it, like imagine if you were like, I'm okay. I'm a privacy nut. I don't want to give my phone number to the government under any circumstances. Which is like <laughs> really when you think about it. I mean, come on, like this this the cell towers are tracking yeah, you all the time they, thing, they've got your, your phone numbers not but let's say you don't want to do that <laughs> at the point where you get a notification so if if you don't provide it then maybe the system ultimately falls back to sending you that notification and it says hey we think you might have been mm -hmm. exposed at that point i'm going to be oh maybe i should actually contact someone about this or maybe i should go and get tested or maybe i should isolate mm -hmm. i think you'd find a very mm -hmm. very low number of people would then go on with their daily lives without actually doing something about it and yeah. and that percentage wouldn't but, but even download you, the app if you weren't going to give your phone number exactly you won't download the app you won't even bother in the first place yeah it's yeah. self-selecting anyway like yes yeah. so it's better to have it even if nobody knows you got that notification yeah. other than you um than it is to just not use an app entirely so yeah. mm. the australian government's trying to push they're trying to push across the narrative of we want 100 percent of user details for an app that doesn't detect like barely any of the actual exposures as opposed to an app that detects 100% of the exposures mm. and we've got a lower percentage, let's say 90% mm. or 80% or 50%, whatever it is. Yep. But that 50% mm. is still mm. far more valuable because all the exposures are being tracked as mm. opposed to, you know, I don't mm. want to say none because it might be inaccurate, but let's say close to none or not as many as it should or a low number mm. um, are actually being detected. So it's just a, if you, mm. if you provide any like, sort of logical breakdown to it, just what they're saying just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And it's... Mm. <laughs> You know, like it's just not in the interest of the population and they're just, they've politicized it and mm. they're trying to distract against the fact that it doesn't work by blaming the manual contact tracing that's happening in Victoria. It's just insane, absolutely insane. Mm. Mm. It's also weird. I, I don't really see the, the, <laughs> the user story for someone being eager enough to download the app, but not caring enough to, after they've been warned of a potential exposure, wanting to act that in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Who, who, which user is that that is eager enough to try an app but doesn't care about the results? That's weird to it me. Doesn't that use like, that's a weird exactly. <laughs> you've already expressed that you're yeah. interested in knowing whether you've you've become a close contact by yeah. downloading and yeah, using the, user the app. Exist. And the other yeah. argument that they make is, uh, well, <laughs> one argument was, well, th these other countries are using sovereign, so they call it a sovereign app, um, mm -hmm. using sovereign apps. And those the countries that they name have now all switched to exposure notifications. <laughs> so that <laughs> was also out the window. And then the other argument they mm -hmm. use is, oh, we don't want a foreign tech company to contact our, to control our contact tracing. Meanwhile, the app's been outsourced to an American company anyway. And all the data's been posted <laughs> on AWS, an American company. Uh, and, and that data's that. actually <laughs> being held by... Like it's actually on AWS servers, whereas if they use exposure notifications, mm -hmm. it's all stored on the user's phone. So it's not anywhere mm -hmm. until they submit mm -hmm. a positive exposure. Um, and do you know what what are they doing with the app now? Are they continuing to update it or are they just going to try to convince people to use the current implementation? They've been very quiet about it. So I, I think they know that it's okay. not working as well as mm -hmm. it should be and they don't want to highlight that fact. So they're just not really talking about it, which is mm -hmm. a shame because it's it really is a good tool if mm. done correctly, that they've just sort of given up on. Mm. And I, I expect the spin to be, 
well, this kind of app was never really going to work anyway. But that's not the case. Like, it, and maybe it's mm. not a, it's not any kind of silver mm. bullet or anything, but it certainly worked better than it currently is. And it's just, it's mm. extremely yeah. frustrating as because I'm probably in a very small Venn diagram of people who are app developers who like to vent loudly on Twitter. Actually, that's everyone um, <laughs> who who know about the exposure <laughs> notification framework and yeah. uh, like who who are independent and can actually kind of you know, voice concerns about this and mm-hmm. um, and like to write letters to the government. So, you know, there's not a lot of people that are sort of necessarily in my... So I kind of feel compelled on some level to actually speak out about it just because it's so frustrating. And like Kai says, there's no reason, absolutely none. It's mind-boggling. But it's also such a weird particular situation. I would see if Australia says, all right, we don't want to spend money on, on an app at all. Mm-hmm. We just don't do an app. That argument I almost see more than saying we still do development, we still spend the money, we're still going through all the processes mm. where the only factor is COVID safe doesn't work, well, exposure notification framework would have worked. You know, it's not like they, they do the same thing just in, in stupid mode. <laughs> well, you know, mm. that's a pretty good summary. <laughs> all of that manual contact tracing wouldn't have been cheap the last few months. Yeah, and I mean, I think manual contact tracing shouldn't go away. It's just if you're, if you're going down the road of making an app anyways... Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you go with the one where, first of all, there's already framework provided by this, you know, Apple is a lot more aware of their Bluetooth situation than than whatever that app does. That just, you know, who who would you say is the best developer to build this framework right now? Probably Apple and Google, as far as the kind of Bluetooth component goes. Why wouldn't you use that? It's well, not, they, it's, pit- they didn't rewrite UIKit because they wanted to not build the app yeah. with you know, they're not saying we build it with an Australian UI framework. They they used UIKit. Why wouldn't you use the the system framework for the core part? You're of, making of too much sense, Kai. You're making too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's um yeah, like it's they're, they're saying we don't want a US company to like manage our contact tracing. But at the end of the day, they're using a Bluetooth framework, and all this is is saying stop using this Bluetooth framework. Use this framework. Like you said, it's a framework. You're basically mm. using one tool that the mm. the vendor. Makes mm-hmm. or use another tool, and one tool doesn't mm-hmm. work for mm-hmm. the process, and one does, and they just politicized it, mm-hmm. and it's baffling. But I do like mm-hmm. your comment. It's like they've done all the steps, but in stupid mode. That's a pretty fair summary of it, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's yeah. no better yeah. way to explain it, because that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend of my parents try to tell me that um, Apple should give unrestricted access to Bluetooth on their devices, and that would solve all our problems. But it's a weird thing. The weird thing is they already. They're still using a framework. It's just the Bluetooth yeah, framework that is not designed oh. for this purpose. It's why would you do that? It's not like you now have full core yeah. access to like you know. It's not like they build a custom chip they add mm. out to every iPhone. <laughs> it's like it's still a framework. You just used a dumb one, but, yeah, and exactly. that's what I find. And and when used poorly, interferes with other Bluetooth yeah. devices, and which is. Like everyone knows that Bluetooth background stuff is not super reliable because it's not designed for this purpose. So Apple and Google decided, hey, let's, let's make something designed it. for this yeah. purpose. But the like, yeah, mm, so the I problem don't. with that, like that argument is easily you can easily argue against that, Zach. And that like they even if they don't need to open it up, they've already screwed up their implementation. They've oh no, I don't no, agree. No, but I'm saying you can, just... you, but, but the comeback to them is just purely and simply like, okay, that's fine. But they've already opened features A, B, and C, and they don't even use a b and c they mm. so don't give them x y and z because mm. that'll screw the yeah. rest of it up they're already mm. screwing up what they've got access to <laughs> yeah i mean my point was basically the tools already exist yeah. we don't need to create them 
Yeah. yeah. But that's, you know, we, we can that's do what this. A, well. That's what happens when, it, I guess, the world is poisoned mm. and it becomes politicised and mm. now it's a, mm. it's just a mm. battle of... Yeah. It's and a, I think someone, and someone would have to... And I hated about this, about how political it became. Like, this should be something that we sort of unite mm-hmm. on and, you know, build the best solution for everybody. But that's obviously we not... We got quite happened. lucky with that in Canada where... The entire, I mean, lucky. I, I feel like there's so many things in this world right now where we think the obvious is being lucky. You know, it's like how people advertise native apps. And you're like, eh, that makes sense. But we got lucky that a pandemic was not politicized as much here. It was very. It wasn't much here from though either. One. Like it, that, that was the thing. That was the really surprising thing is they didn't politicize it here. Mm. It was a really good response. Oh, really? I don't really. Fo- I don't agree with the decision to initially release COVID safe. I thought they shouldn't have done it. But given that they did, I didn't think it was the worst decision in the world. Given that they did, knowing that the other mm. framework was coming, okay, then we mm-hmm. migrate to that, and that's all a logical pathway. Again, don't agree with it, but it's not terrible. The mm. real. Mm. error was then not migrating to it and this is where we are and now Mm -hmm. like Mm. the vitriol on twitter about the app in the last week is just insane like it was everyone was on board with it like they keep talking about oh seven million downloads that's great i think the the general public shown how much Mm -hmm. they think the app works because they've all downloaded no that doesn't really tell you anything it just tells you that seven million people downloaded it It doesn't tell you the app's being effective that all that tells me is that there were seven million people who were willing participants willing, on a yeah. working system yeah. that they've burned the trust of. That's all it tells me. And they yeah. and they, they know Which that. It, they know these things. Yeah. Like, you think they're not having these conversations. Yeah. You think they don't know that the Apple and Google system works better. It's just there's one particular minister who's running it all, and he's just, mm. I would guess, has just told them not to use it. <laughs> you, can, you can sense my frustration. I hate It's just so aggravating. <laughs> Do you think people who have been downloading the app, who might not be technical, still are under the assumption that this app actually works perfectly fine? Yes. They think oh. it works. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is, so that's really frustrating because it's hard to get people. Well, there's a narrative on of, your oh, side not to enough continue people downloaded pushing it, it, and that's why it hasn't worked. And yeah, that may be true, but that's why we have iOS 13.7, which has it built in now. But 7 million is a pretty decent number. Like, mm. going, going back to, I guess, what I was saying with streaks, like maximize the number of users. It's, it's, all, you, it's, mm-hmm. it's all a funnel. It's all a question of funnel like maximizing the funnel size. So if you start with you start with your 7 million people but it's only picking up, you know, 50% of the encounters, then you've got 3.5 million people or whatever, like I'm simplifying it. But basically mm-hmm. you go down from the odds of any two people meeting in the street and mm-hmm. the phone detecting them gets so small once you whittle down the numbers to be so little. So you need to maximize mm-hmm. every single step. So as soon as you cut down detection from instead of being 99% with exposure notifications to being like anywhere from 25 to 55 or 75 or however you want to which day you ask them as to how efficient it is um (laughs) but as soon as you narrow that down you just basically killed your funnel completely like and then you know you whittle it down to okay then you need to have the app in the foreground and it needs to be running it kind of crashed and that's also assuming there's no bugs whatsoever which also is mm. another thing that's not true. Like there were some critical bugs that have mm. only just recently been fixed that basically made the app completely unworkable. And that so even if you were detecting a hundred percent and the app just wasn't working, then again it's not working. It's not working at all anyway. So mm. I, mm. I just c- can't fathom that they're not having these discussions and they know the answer and they're just not being straight up. And that's what I guess sucks about it really and is frustrating from an app developer point of view. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It is. Like just listening to you it makes it frustrating because there were other things that were genuinely. Like, it's not like the entire pandemic was handled the, the most horrific in all the other aspects. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a, other countries who might say, ah, that's, 
nothing to worry about in australia there were actually like precautions yeah. and there were <laughs> processes put in place to to take this seriously but then on the technical side it was completely yeah but i think i think that's also the problem i think people might still think that they take it te- serious technically and they it doesn't think- seem like they don't it's just it seems i, I don't think know they if act, it's i think like, they acted in good know, faith with all the lo- all the way along until the decision came whether or not to switch and they didn't. And then that's when mm. every other part of their response in Australia has been, I think, for the most part, very good, especially considering it's a political party that I don't like. But I would say I would give them 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 for every other re- part of their response, except specifically for this. This has <laughs> been the one major screw up and they just refuse to acknowledge it and they're just doing everyone a disservice. And mm. it's baffling to me that there's doctors involved and there's medical professionals involved and they're signing off on it or they're being or they're being silenced about it or whatever the problem is because no objective criticism would actually yield the result that they've got now so hmm. yeah, on that yeah, frustrating like, note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no but I, I i i agree and it's it's worrying me sometimes considering that there are certain areas that we're probably having more expertise than others seeing how like I, I think all four of us in the technical side we we're probably a bit over average of of like of the things we know we have some expertise in this the technical side is probably but this is uh, right now this is like a hundred percent in our wheelhouse though so this is the stuff we know inside <laughs> and out like it's not yeah. sort of just vaguely in the area of tech this is like specifically our domain of knowledge that's why it's even more frustrating yeah. mm. so it's it's yeah it, it is super frustrating because yeah i mean you mentioned all the things you can see a pathway sometimes you're you're kind of in a corner right and then it's i see that right if you're in a corner there's no, you, you made a bad decision and now you're screwed sometimes that happens but this i feel like there's such a clear pathway into into you know those a lot of those issues are solvable still today they could be solved probably within a week if people were willing to admit we made we, we handled in good faith we made mistakes we learned that now and now we're moving on like you would hope for people to do but if that doesn't happen then we're just digging a deeper yeah, hole i don't i don't believe it's I mean, been done in good faith though that's the that's the that's where it's broken down and conveniently they'll say oh well you know we're going to keep down this path as long as medical unless the medical professionals tell us to change course on this we're going to keep the app as it is like that's a quote that's that's a quote but it's like okay but Mm, right now you're you've worded that in a weaselly way whereby medical professionals can't advise on technical issues and technical people Mm. are saying go down a different path but you've made it sound Mm. like Mm -hmm. you're doing the right thing by not doing the right thing like it's just this is crap Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah Yeah. and we all know the the technical people whose advice was blatantly everyone so (laughs) it makes it even more frustrating it's just all right. Um, thank you so much for joining right. us. Uh, uh, also, congrats on the on the new baby, oh, by you. the way. Yes. I forgot to say that. Um, tiring. Very, yeah, very yeah, tiring. You, you really got an extra busy uh, summer yeah. this year, huh? That's right. Yep. <laughs> That's the side project. <laughs> no, it's all the main project at the moment, which is all the more tiring. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can imagine. But hope all's going well Thanks. with that. And um, to your yes, wife as well. You. As always, we'll link all the places to to reach you on Twitter if people want to follow your mm, rants. your <laughs> continuous uh, frustration with <laughs> COVID safe. There's a, there's a good chance the very next tweet you'll see is related to frustration about that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> overall, because yep. I mean we live in Australia for long enough. But then when you're when you're leaving for a while, you start you're not keeping us close track of of the news as daily so it's kind of nice to see getting an update from you on on yeah i mean nice in a it's it's good to see what's happening not in i agree with mm. what's mm. happening I, I i in general it's it's good when we have people that talk about things that they know about that should be fixed i think mm. yeah that's a way better use of twitter than a lot of the other 
<laughs> Other use cases. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I mean, I've tried to actually engage people that are yeah. talking about the wrong, like talking about the facts wrong and actually trying to use it, even if I'm mm. fired up, trying to use it constructively. <laughs> it's not really working. I'm getting into <laughs> these circular arguments where I know I'm right, but they're whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. No, thanks for Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No, um, awesome. Um, yeah, we'll link to everything, and uh, yeah, people should check out Streaks as well. Yeah, if you feel like checking out, yeah, all of Quentin's apps. Um, we didn't really speak about them, but um, a couple of my favorites of yours, Outcast and Healthface, um, both apps that I use very regularly. So um, people should Thank check you. out all your apps. <laughs> yeah, high quality indie apps. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's what this series is about, right? <laughs> We also still have, um, I don't know if you remember, WWDC two years ago, three years ago? No, what about um, two years ago? I, 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 I was already terrible at keeping track of time, oh. but even worse in, in this current period, you gave us a dollar uh, when we said that we will start a podcast to, to get a sponsor mm. sponsor read at some point. Oh, did I? I can't remember. I, yeah, I, I still remember have that, that one dollar. But I don't. Yeah, I still have that yeah, dollar. Yeah. Just after the talk show. Yep. <laughs> I remember the exchange. I'm sorry that I don't, but I've got a terrible memory. But I was going to say, like, cause you guys have pretty <laughs> oh, much it. been, you used the studio. I remember you used the studio, I think it was the first year they offered yep. it, was it? Or was it the second year? Either way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you've pretty much Both, done yeah. this podcast every week ever since. It's been very impressive. Yep. Mm. Yeah. We're, we're, when we commit to something, we're, <laughs> we're seeing it through. We didn't realize at the time that seeing through a podcast means never stopping again. So, yeah, you're done. What we did. Yeah. You're locked in. <laughs> mm. For life. <laughs> All right. Still be talking about COVID safety. <laughs> hope not. I really <laughs> hope not. How is the situation in Adelaide, by the way? How are oh, the numbers? Oh, nothing here. Okay. It's good. It's good. Life is mm. pretty so good. So everything is sort of yeah, like, like normal? I mean, it's pretty. you wouldn't even know. Okay. You just got to keep those dirty yeah. Sydney ciders away and you'll be right. Yeah. Are you? Uh, is the, are the borders closed? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I think, okay. I think they're reopening to everywhere or to um, New South Wales and Canberra. In the coming weeks, maybe Queensland's okay. reopened. Victoria's closed. Yeah, I think Victoria's still got a while to go before yeah. they'll open. But otherwise, if you're not travelling interstate and you're not sort of living in a rural area, if you're in the city and you're not planning on travelling, you just wouldn't know, like really. Like, oh, okay. Mm. That's good. So any nice. kind of regulations? Otherwise, uh, yeah. I mean, event. A lot of events obviously aren't happening, and I actually mm. don't know what a lot. Of, I've got a newborn, so I'm not really going out anyway. But if I was, I'm sure there would be restrictions. <laughs> but other than that, like. Most people are just getting on with their lives for the most part. Uh, obviously, uh, people have lost their jobs and all that kind of stuff. But you know, mm. did you did you work from home before the pandemic as well? No, I've got an office. Oh, okay, are so, you still going there now? Or? Uh, yes, on and off, depending on how much so you're sleep still I get allowed to like crying. access. Yeah, yeah, that's not a problem. Yeah, no, it's all it's all accessible. It's all fine. Mm. Yeah, British Columbia is having an ups- upswing again, unfortunately. We've, mm. we've kind of, the beginning was, was, I mean, great as far as pandemic goes, but like the management was really good. People all kept, kept apart. I mean, we do have, we're in an unfortunate place, right? We're very close to Seattle, which was kind of one of the initial big clusters. Um, and there was a lot of vacation type of traveling, but, uh, but we kept the numbers really mm. low. And now we've had like 130 ish case, new cases over the last couple of days. So we're not, Kind of in the in the mm. second wave, which is great. Mm. Anyway, hope hope all of that is getting better. Yeah, uh, hope to be able to see you at WWDC sometime as well. Yeah, it, whenever that we happens yeah. again, travel whenever again, maybe. <laughs> mm. oh, give it a few. And, cool. All right, Thank you. thanks for your yeah. time. Um, it's great. Yeah, for, thanks again. Yeah.
Do you have any any kind of bold predictions for the Apple event on uh, Tuesday? I think an Apple Watch being announced makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I think the rumors all seem to make sense. Like maybe an iPhone mm. in a month and maybe a watch next week. But mm. yeah, who knows? Mm. I try not to mm. pin my hopes or believe too much on all of that stuff. <laughs> it's proven wrong often enough. I'm, I'm super excited. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it feels like a normal, like an... A lot of things are weird, but it kind of feels like a comforting knowing Apple events are still mm -hmm. happening. It's it's like a yeah. I guess for us it's very normal because we would never we're not press right, so we would never have like anyway. been yeah. in Cupertino at all. So well, in fact, it's easier now. You're like you don't even have to worry about like invites or people getting invites or or people traveling. It's yeah. like everyone just watched. I did like that the keynote together. was a bit shorter, just because it was a bit t like tighter mm. recording and everything. So because mm. you know, yeah. yeah, it felt a little snappier. Um, I put a massive... Are you watching them live? Or? Yeah, yeah, I try. Um, but I put a massive scratch on my series... What series are we up to? Series 5 or series... Whatever the newest Apple Watch is, mm -hmm. right after yeah. I got it, a massive scratch across the face. So, it's been annoying me for the past year. So, I'm like, I need a new watch. So, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>